and welcome to NSTA, The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackison, Executive Director, and pleased today to be joined by Gio Merkin. He is President and CEO of Pioneer Power Mobility. And we also have Scott Bradley, who's their Director of Sales and Strategic Partnerships. So, Scott and Gio, welcome to NSTA, The uh, the Bus Stop. Kurt, thank thank you. you very much. We're glad to be here. No, we're glad to have you. So for our listeners, just want to make sure that everyone knows that Pioneer Power Mobility is, is a fairly new NSTA vendor partner member. They did participate last year in the electric uh, school bus street fair that we had up in Niagara Falls, New York, at the uh, 2022 NSTA annual meeting and convention. And they're, we're pleased that they're going to be joining us for the midwinter meeting in San Diego. I'm going to start out with you, Gio, since you are president and CEO. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Pioneer Power Mobility? Sure, I'd be glad to, and thank you. We're great to um, be on board here in the beginning of 2023. Uh, It's an exciting year for us. So Pioneer Power Solutions, which is our parent company, has been in business of uh, energy and power assets, both equipment manufacturing and service for over 30 years. And we're a publicly traded company on NASDAQ. And in the late 2019-2020 timeframe, we were looking at doing some market analysis on uh, what was upcoming in the energy industry. And one of the things that we saw was the, you know, surge in EV adoption, but the equally weighted pressure on our utility partners to provide that power. So we saw that an off-grid charging solution might be beneficial in the adoption. And so we went on a R&D mission of trying to look at some of these solutions. And that was the birth of Pioneer Power Mobility or eBoost. And uh, fast forward a couple of years, we worked through a lot of the designs and come up two years ago with a design that's based on propane, which is a green-powered solution. And that's how Pioneer Power Mobility has launched into the off-grid mobile EV charging solution. Now, it's funny, you know, I don't know when in, you know, the continuum that, you know, that you all got involved with student transportation per se, but one of the nice things about the podcast is we talk to our guests all the time about you know, how they really gotten involved in student transportation. Obviously, you're you're involved now. So, Scott, I'm going to throw it over to you for you to talk about your, you know, your role with Pioneer, a brief look into your background and your observations about student transportation. And, and then we'll turn it over to Gio. Absolutely. Now, at Pioneer Power, I am Director of Sales and Strategic Partnerships. Uh, I have 20 years of technology and energy company experience, uh, although my, my origins start back with robotics and artificial intelligence. Now, I, I travel the country pretty much nonstop now, meeting with OEMs, electric vehicle fleets, contractors, energy companies, all, all the people involved in that electric vehicle ecosystem. And you know, the, the, the way we got in, involved with, uh, with, with, with school buses, et cetera, is just you know, as we look at the need for Cleaner solutions. You now, the the place where it touches most of our our people are with the, the children. 
and being able to move electric school buses uh, or buses to electricity uh, really makes it a, a somewhat cleaner solution, uh, both for the children as well as for the environment. Yeah, that's that's for sure. We often, you know, say internally, you know, in, in terms of the transition to electric vehicles, school buses are probably the perfect application, you know, in a sense that they're, you know, within the community, they're well known within the community, they're transporting, you know, children to and from school. So the application itself uh, and, and and the distances that they go are typically not of a long range variety. So Geo, you know, going over to you in terms of getting involved with student transportation and, and the yellow bus, did you ever envision, you know, 10, 15 years ago that, that this be part of what you would be doing? Yeah, Kurt, it's an interesting question. And the, the honest answer is no. Uh, but, you know, my background uh, is an engineering background, and I led uh, several innovative growth roles at General Electric before I joined Pioneer Power Solutions 10 years ago. And even at Pioneer, if you asked me five years ago if this was what we would be involved in, I would have been happy, but I don't know if I would have <laughs> predicted it that way. So right. for us, the, 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 the opportunity to get involved with something of this scale, number one, and two, this level of impact from a climate change as well as sustainability perspective is, you know, was 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 very encouraging and refreshing. So, I'm I'm happy that uh, we were able to uh, put together this type of a solution and lead the charge with trying to uh, at least first help with the early adoption uh, of electric vehicles and then hopefully uh, also down the line from a re resiliency standpoint. Yeah, for, for sure. And I think one of the strengths of the industry is, is that people come from many kind of diverse, you know, backgrounds and kind of lend their expertise into areas, you know, like we're talking about. So the the fact that, you know, you all have a, a very strong, you know, background in in some areas that are not commonly associated with student transportation, I think is a real, real strength. So, you know, kind of uh, dovetailing on that, uh, I guess the question is, why did Pi uh, Pioneer Power enter into the e-mobility space? And I'll throw that over to Gio. Uh, sure. So, you know, as I mentioned, we, we look at uh, the gap in EV charging uh, infrastructure and the struggles that our utility partners would have because we had been working with utilities and power distribution applications for years. And most recently, microgrids and distributed energy. So when we looked at the e-mobility space, we saw the opportunity, one, to innovate and two, to provide a solution where we thought we could help accelerate that transition. ZEVs are well on their way for making the transition in all parts of the industries and some parts that we haven't even started to talk about, like e-motorboats and e-airplanes that are all making their foray in the next few years. So it's a big challenge and we had the experience 
And we came up with uh, what we feel is the right technology in order to provide a solution in this space. Yeah, it makes uh, total sense. I'm going to bounce it over to, to Scott and talk about you know propane and why the choice of propane as the fuel for, for mobile charging stations. Yeah, great question. So initially, we looked at a hydrogen-based solution. Right, hydrogen has it's very low carbon intensity, which means it's very clean. But as we discovered, hydrogen isn't easily transportable, not easily available, and definitely not affordable. Uh, which is really why uh, propane became became the, the right choice. It's transportable, doesn't require pipelines or, or high voltage power line installations. It's available, right? Since propane providers have very deep roots in small towns, rural areas. In fact, the harder it is to get sufficient grid power, the easier it is to get propane. And, and then it's affordable. It's about half the cost per gallon of diesel. So it's, it's important to remember that propane is a green fuel under the, the 1990 Clean Air Act. And when we look at, at cleanliness, it has a lower carbon intensity than the electric grid in 37 states. And with the release of renewable propane, something that's made with biomatter, bio-waste, it has a lower carbon intensity than the grid in all states except for Vermont. And renewable propane is something that is available now in California, and then it will be available next in the, the 17 carb states. And just coming out now is something called uh, renewable dimethyl ether, which is an additive which has a net negative carbon intensity. So when that is added to renewable propane, it brings propane down to a net zero carbon intensity. So propane is, is, is green today. It's going to be greener tomorrow. And it's, it's really the, the fastest march to net zero. That's really uh, interesting. Um, and, and let me uh, follow up on that, Scott. So when we're talking about you know, you know, this principle of mobile charging and mobile charging infrastructure, what's the benefit? Uh, for school bus operators and contractors utilizing, you know, mobile charging infrastructure in their transition to, to EVs? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I've had the, the chance to get to meet with, with all the EV bus OEMs this year, spoken with many of the, uh, the contractors. So what we, we hear from contractors is for new e-bus owners, it's very difficult beforehand to assess the e-bus range except in real world conditions, right? Because you've got hills, you've got stops, you've got cold weather, uh, there's understanding route optimization with e-buses, and then truly understanding what that grid infrastructure load is going to be in the real world. So mobile charging enables real world understanding. So an off-grid solution it's, it's something, again, it helps assess all of this prior to digging up the ground and installing permanent infrastructures. Now, also, contractors really don't even know in advance where, where the best location in their yard is to put the infrastructure. Right? They may decide to put it in one location and then realize, okay, it's actually better to have it somewhere else. Mobile infrastructure enables you to, to learn before you do something permanently. Um, also, all too often, people want the largest chargers available. Right. I, I want big power in there to charge the buses, but, you know, the buses have an eight hour overnight dwell time. So you know, it's, it's also helping them feel comfortable with optimizing the charging 
for their buses, again, prior to, to digging things up and putting in permanent infrastructure. Also, another concern is that the grid connection for infrastructure can take a year or two years to install it at all. Um, I was talking with a contractor in New York City who was told by the electric company that the bus yard in that borough would never have ample power connected. And so, you know, they, and then if you also, you think about some of the contractors who are in leased land, right? Who, who's going to pay for the infrastructure, right? It may not be financially feasible for the contractor or the landowner to invest in the grid tight infrastructure. And even if the contractor is willing to invest in that infrastructure, the landowner might not want their land dug up. So all of these are, are benefits that, uh, that the mobile electric vehicle charging can help with. And uh, in fact, some of the forward thinking uh, bus OEMs are looking at bringing off-grid EV solutions to their dealers and their contractors. Yeah, a lot of great points, Scott. And one thing that we've noticed in, in this transition to EV is that, you know, a lot of folks are, are concerned about the transition. You know, let's call it what it is. And, and there are some longer term challenges you know, you mentioned a couple of them. Are there any other things that come into the, you know, factor into the calculus as folks are making their transition to EV where mobile charging can solve that problem? Yeah, so it's interesting that the, the longer term challenges are the ones that, that few people are even considering yet. One contractor asked, one contractor asked, what happens if the school has an away game and they have to go much further than usual? And what if there isn't bus charging infrastructure at that school? So, so they were actually pondering adding a, a charging trailer and bringing it with the bus. And, um, another alternative would be for the hosting school to rent a mobile EV charging solution during home games so that the away team could charge their buses. Another contractor was thinking about workcase conditions. And for them, what, what if the bus wasn't properly charged overnight? It's cold and snowing, and they're at the furthest part of their route, and the bus runs out of charge. Well, again, <laughs> in that case, right, a mobile EV charging solution can be used as an emergency charger and come and fast right. charge the bus. Um, and then there, there's always the concern of you know, resiliency. So think, think natural disasters, right? So solar power in buses can be used as energy storage units and put power back on the grid in case of a natural disaster, which is, which is great in some conditions. However, in true disaster recovery occurrences, right, once the initial dispensing is done by that bus back to the grid, then what happens, right? In that case, then an off-grid solution becomes beneficial for power replenishment and the use of buses as emergency transportation purposes. And then finally, another, another thing that contractors brought up is, is what happens when the contractor's contract is up, right? They can move the electric buses. They can't move permanent infrastructure. So with off-grid EV charging, they can always move the infrastructure as well. So I'm just going to go a little bit off script, you know, with you guys, but I'll, I'll leave it up to uh, either Gio or Scott to answer this. The key thing that I take away from our conversation is flexibility and the flexibility that mobile charging infrastructure, you know, offers to school bus operators. Is, is that a good takeaway? Yeah, flexibility think, is really uh, an important thing because there's a lot of learning that has to be done. Every, everyone is going through learning. I mean, you, you, you 
to talk with the, the EV bus manufacturers, the OEMs, the, the contractors, everyone's learning about it. And being able to make real world decisions, which requires flexibility, is key. And All right. Um, to add to that. Go ahead, Gio. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I was going to add to that. The fact that uh, we're on demand, right? It, 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 it increases that flexibility. So it isn't something you are tied to using every day, which you can, but it's always readily available whenever you need it. And for if you, if you look at our life today or what we live in the 21st and 22nd century, that the flexibility is important where we want it, when we want it. And energy is at the heart of what we need. And a cleaner energy always will be helpful in accomplishing whatever innovation we need. Right. Yeah, good point. And, and Gio, I'm going to back that up with, with a question. So we're talking about you know mobile charging infrastructure utilizing propane. Can you tell us how eBoost addresses the overall reduction of emissions? Because that at at the core, that is what we're trying to accomplish with this transformation to electric vehicles. Absolutely. And I think um, um, both Scott and I alluded to how we went through the process of finding the most optimal solution. And uh, when it comes to emissions, I think there's a global citizen role that we all have in trying to do our very best in reducing emissions for the future, our future generations, um, more than anything else. But then when it comes to school buses, at the heart of the emissions issue is the children, our children who have to face this. And I think that is why organizations like NSTA and others have banded together to really push this this movement forward. And so when we looked at reduction of emissions, ZEV addresses the primary one, which is zero emission vehicles. You are starting the reduction of emissions and also first and foremost, reducing the emissions where the children and the bus operators interact the most. Um, then we have the other side, which is the zero emission charging. And that today, truly, there is no zero emission charging. Every form of charging, including the power grid, has emissions somewhere where it produces power. But what are the best steps to reduce that? And that's what we focused on. And when you look at that, what our uh, eBoost mobile off-grid charging solutions do is they only come on when they need to charge. They're usually at depots or places during the night when um, most hum human beings aren't around. And right. plus, because we're using um, propane today and renewable propane already at some um, of the states and in the future with um, DME reducing the emissions down even further, we look at not this binary solution of emission reduction, meaning going from 
pollution to zero emission. We look at a sliding scale. And I think that's important because the more, the faster we can reduce the emissions, the better it is for all of us, especially the children. So if we can start that transition earlier, help accelerate the transition to ZEVs, especially in the school bus fleet, that's where we can make the biggest impact. And so that's how we view, uh, we take the view on reduction of emissions. And we think we don't have the perfect solution, but we think we have a solution that will contribute in the overall effort everyone's taking. Now, absolutely makes sense. I am going to follow that up with with a a point too, and and Gia, like you get your you know opinion on this. It's also, I think, an opportunity to relieve some stress on the grid, which I think is an issue that hasn't been widely you know talked about in this transformation. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, working with utilities for so many years at Pioneer, we understand the, the, the challenge that's in front of them, right? And we're empathetic to that. So we're in a small way um, trying to help do that. And that allows them to properly plan, properly right. put in infrastructure and go through all of those steps. And I think it's teamwork, right? There is no one solution. I think there are multiple off-grid solutions out there. And, you know, we welcome, we applaud them because at the end of the day, the effort is the same. It is reduction of emissions over time. And at the heart of it is trying to save the health of the children and ultimately the planet. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great points. And gentlemen, this has been a great conversation. And just want to remind our listeners that uh, the Pioneer uh, Mobility team will be in San Diego for our midwinter meeting, and also be participating in the infrastructure portion of our EV panel in San Diego. So appreciate that, guys. One last question for for Scott. And if folks want to learn more about Pioneer Power solutions, where can they go to find that information? All right, a, a couple places. One, certainly the obvious, which is www.pioneer-emobility.com. Uh, also, the, the Clean City Coalitions uh, across the country do public ride and drives, and the electric bus OEMs have dealer events, which we're being invited to more and more. So, so both of those are very good, and uh, you know, certainly at the NSTA midwinter meeting in San Diego. Yeah, you gave me a, a spoiler alert there, Scott, because uh, we are going to have a ride along, not at our midwinter meeting, but our annual meeting and convention. And so I'll give uh, a promotion for that. It's going to be July 16th through the 18th in Pittsburgh. Once again, we're going to have some EVs doing ride alongs and may even be able to take a ride over to the Pittsburgh Pirates game, um, you know, that Sunday on the 16th. So appreciate that. Once again, our guest at NSTA, the bus stop. We have Scott Bradley. He's Director of Sales and Strategic, Strategic Partnerships. And Gio Merkin, he is President and CEO, Pioneer Power Mobility. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Thanks so much for your support and uh, look forward to continuing this conversation. Happy New Year and thank, thank you very you. much. Happy New Year to everyone.